If you're in any kind of leadership in the church, we often talk about programs or ways that we can get people to the church. But you know what? Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. As we look at David's kingdom, we'll learn a little bit more about God's faithfulness in building his kingdom and how we can get on board with that. That's today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. David's anointing, as we've been looking at the book of 2 Samuel, is a picture of the greater David and his kingdom. The greater David is Jesus Christ. And we're going to watch as a fractured nation, the nation of Israel, rallies to the true king. But this nation, this nation of Israel, in the history in which we are studying it, has been in civil war for seven years. The nation's been divided. And there's a man up in the north. He's actually on the other side of the Jordan River in a place called Mahanaim. And there he's been set up really as a puppet king because Abner desired to have power. But Ishbosheth has watched the kingdom around him beginning to crumble. And things are not going well at all. In fact, he, he's just now going to get word that the great general behind his kingdom, his name is Abner, has died. And if you recall, we looked at 2 Samuel two Sundays ago, and it was Joab who killed Abner in revenge for him killing his brother. And Abner, this mighty man, this strength behind the puppet king in the north, is now dead. And Ishbosheth is uh, reeling. He doesn't know what to do because his strength is really gone. In life, when we put our strength or we count on the wrong thing, and that thing is taken away, we find ourselves in deep trouble. If you rely on the wrong thing, if you rely on the wrong power source, if you look to yourself and your strength, your strength at some point is going to wane. Amen? We figured out at some point along this life that we just don't have the goods to do it. We just don't have everything we need to do all that we want to do. Time goes by, the weight of the world, all the things that men promise to do and they fail. Politicians and people we look up to even in the sports world or even pastors that we might have looked up to at one time can disappoint us. And so we find ourselves asking big questions like where is life really lived? Where do you find power for this journey? And where do you find hope beyond this life? I think those are all the big questions that we're asking. Jesus was taking his apostles on the final leg of the journey to Jerusalem, and he was about to tell them he's going to die for the sins of the world. And he took them up to northern Israel to a place called Caesarea Philippi, right at the foot of Mount Hermon. And there, there was a place called the Rock of the Gods, and they would worship all these different types of gods. There are all kinds of pagan idolatry would go on. And one of the gods that they worshiped there was a god named Pan. Jesus took them to this place and he began to say to them, who do you say, who are people saying that the son of man is? And they gave them 
he, they, they gave him all kinds of different answers. But then he turned the question to them and he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter responded, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus commended Peter. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven. And he said, and you are the rock. And on this rock, two different Greek words used. Peter was the little rock. On this rock, I will build my church. And there are many of us who believe that the rock that Jesus was talking about was the physical location at Caesarea Philippi, where all the paganism was taking place. On this rock, this mountain, where all evil and all unspeakable things take place, there I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, by the way, in that rock structure, and I've taught this in the past from Matthew 16, there were little cutout windows where there used to be figurines of demons, and people would worship there, and they would leave sacrifices for these so-called gods. Even the god Hades and the underworld and everything was celebrated there. And Jesus said, do you see that rock? This is my interpretation of what he's saying. On that rock, where all this evil happens, where all this fear of death and what's going to happen to people, on that rock, I will build my church. Right there where evil is, right there where people are, you know, going the wrong direction, I will build my church. This message is called, I will build my kingdom. You know, for those of us who are in the ministry, and we all are in the ministry, whether we not, or not we are in professional ministry, we spend our time trying to build the kingdom, hopefully. And we come to a point in our lives where we realize, you know what? I can't really build the kingdom of God. God has to build the kingdom through me. The guys went up, 64 guys on a men's retreat. We went up to uh, Running Springs up there, kind of at the base of the mountain below uh, Lake Arrowhead. And you get up there and, you know, you can actually see a couple of stars, which is quite amazing. You almost forgot that there were stars until you go up to the mountains, right? And you see all these incredible stars and you begin to take some deep breaths because you know you're going back to, down the mountain to the Inland Empire, <laughs> right? And you realize, you know what? God is big enough to deal with my issues, big enough to deal with my problems, big enough to deal with the biggest issues that I might have. And the guys did something symbolic. Around a fire, we wrote down things that we wanted to let go. Maybe besetting sins, maybe things that we struggle with. And they were thrown into a fire. And I'll make a public confession this morning before you. One of the things that I threw in the fire is control. I don't know about you, but I like to have the wheel. And when things are maybe not going well in life or you know, we have struggles and big questions that maybe we can't deal with. Then we have to begin to ask some questions about our faith. Like, who am I really trusting in? Am I stressing out and panicking over things because I really don't place my faith in God? You know, there's things that we have to revisit consistently in our hearts about what we really believe and where does it really work? Does it work in my marriage? Does it work when we're facing a bad di diagnosis? When, does it work when I don't know what's going to happen in this situation? I don't know what's going to happen with this kid or this struggle. 
That's really where God wants us to believe him. He wants us to believe him for big things. He, he wants us to know that he's going to build his kingdom through us. We can, we can let go. We can release some stuff at his feet. He's been doing this for a long time. Some of us say, I'm 18 now. I, I think I've got everything down. <laughs> and even when we get older, we figure, well, years and mileage should give us some sort of credit, right? And then we say things like this. If I only knew then what I know now, I would tell those young whippersnappers a thing or two or three. But nobody's listening. <laughs> in 1 Samuel 2, 35, in the face of some failing priests, it was said by God, I will raise up for myself a faithful priest. And he was speaking of Samuel. In 2 Samuel 7, 11, the Lord also declares to you, and he says, he's saying this to David. David wanted to build God a house, and he said, I will build you a house. Sometimes we, we get these grand ideas of what we want to do for God, and God says, this is what I want to do for you. How about you let me build the house? How about you let me take care of those things? How about you understand that one of the biggest things in the faith is surrender? And you let me do my work as you seek my face, I want you to pray. I want you to study my word. I want you to get to know me. I'll take care of the rest. But I want you to be faithful to what I've called you to do. 2 Samuel 4, verse 1, with that backdrop, opens this way. Now, when Ishbosheth, Saul's son, 2 Samuel 4, 1, heard that Abner had died in Hebron, that was David's uh, headquarters in the south. Ishbosheth lost courage. And all Israel was disturbed. If you have an ESV, it says, they were dismayed, alarmed, NIV, troubled, New King James. Ishbosheth hears that Abner is dead, that he died in Hebron as he went on a visit to David. And he, the king in the north, lost courage. Once he found out his general was dead, he lost courage. I don't know what it takes for you and me to lose courage. If we have something taken away that we've been leaning on, you know, maybe God takes some things away from us so that we might learn that he's our strength, right? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, when I'm weak, then I am strong. Ephesians 6.10 says, be strong in the... Lord and the strength of his might. And so we go through life trying to rely on these things. And I think Ishbosheth is a good example of a man who was counting on the wrong things. This strong general who had propped him up as a really a puppet king. He was worried. In fact, he lost courage, verse 1, and it says, and all Israel was disturbed. All Israel was troubled. When the Magi came to King Herod to seek out where the king of the Jews had been born, they asked the question in Matthew 2, where is he who is born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east. We've come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard it, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. It's a similar scene. And you say, well, why was, all, why was the city troubled when Herod was troubled? Because the city knew. 
Hey folks, I've been telling you about different ways that you can connect with Walk in Truth. And one of the ways you can do it through modern technology is download the Radio Scribe app and search for Walk in Truth. There you'll have access to all kinds of cool resources, including one thing I'm going to highlight today, which is a devotional. It's a video devotion I've done on, will God give you any more than you can handle? Question mark. I'm sure you've had that question. It's a five minute video devotion. It'll bless you. You can refer friends to it and hopefully it'll help you with your walk. Download the Radio Scribe app, search for Walk in Truth and check out the devotion today. God bless you. Learn that he's our strength, right? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, when I'm weak, then I am strong. Ephesians 6.10 says, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And so we go through life trying to rely on these things. And I think Ishbosheth is a good example of a man who was counting on the wrong things. This strong general who had propped him up as a really a puppet king. He was worried. In fact, he lost courage, verse 1, and it says, and all Israel was disturbed. All Israel was troubled. When the Magi came to King Herod to seek out where the king of the Jews had been born, they asked the question in Matthew 2, where is he who is born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east. We've come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard it, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. It's a similar scene. And you say, well, why was, all, why was the city troubled when Herod was troubled? Because the city knew that when Herod had trouble, people were going to die. This is what he did. He would take out his wrath on other people. He would kill wives and children and you name it. And we know the dark side of Christmas in Matthew 2 in the latter half of that chapter is that he killed all the babies in Bethlehem two years age and under. And Jesus got away because there was a warning given to the family, but Herod spilled a bunch of blood and that was his intent. He, he wanted nobody to threaten his throne. And Ishbosheth is here and He's hearing now his great general has died, and he doesn't know probably at this point all the circumstances. Maybe he thought that this was something that David did. We know that David didn't want this to happen, but it did. And now, as the scene shifts from Hebron, about 60 miles northeast, to Mahanaim across the Jordan River, there is Ishbosheth, and he is reeling. He is literally, you could render this lost heart, his courage failed, ESV. Literally, his hands became slack. He lost his grip. And we ask the question, why did he lose courage at this point? Why did he lose heart? Because he was placing his faith in the wrong place. Misplaced faith gets you in trouble. Because if you place your faith in the wrong thing, you're going to end up being what? Disappointed at some point. So he was counting on Abner to be the answer, to be his strength. What causes you to lose courage? What causes you to lose heart? May I suggest misplaced faith? We say we believe in God, but then really when a couple of things go wrong, all of a sudden we're reeling. And look, I'm saying this of myself as well. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The real power behind Ishbosheth was Abner, 
But the real power behind David was God. If you look at your life, if you peeled everything back right now and asked some questions about what you do day in and day out, what your true power source is, what would you say? See, one of the things that God's trying to teach us is to rely on his power, to know his, even the power of his resurrection in our lives. And he's got to strip away a lot of things for that to happen. Look at Deuteronomy 31. This is Moses. Uh, if you want to turn there, you, if, you, if you don't want to go there, just listen to it. Deuteronomy 31. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So Moses is coming to the end of his life. And uh, he's going to pass the baton to Joshua. And here's what he says. And I want you to note how Moses points the people away from him to the Lord. Deuteronomy 31, verse 1. So Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I don't know if it was Moses' birthday or not, but he said, man, I'm a, I'm a buck 20 today, man. <laughs> hey, 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 that's a lot of candles to put on a cake, by the way. I am no longer able to come and go. And those of us who are getting older, you might want to mark that. I take that quite literally. <laughs> no longer able to come and go. There's a, a good buddy here this morning. His name is Tim's beautiful wife, Heidi. Raise up your hand. There you guys are. So we met, I think it was in the late 80s. And we played a lot of slow pitch together. And we looked at each other. Tim came and visited today. And uh, Tim and Heidi did, and we were looking at each other. Softball came up, and we both looked at each other and said, nope. <laughs> you playing anymore? Nope. You playing anymore? Nope. Not able to come and go as I used to. Tim, by the way, I am playing golf now, more golf, which is totally humbling, and I'm not sure that's the answer either, <laughs> but anyway. He says, the Lord has said to me, you're not going to cross this Jordan. It is the Lord your God who will cross ahead of you. Notice how he points them to God. He will destroy these nations before you, and you shall dispossess them. Jo Joshua is the one who will cross ahead of you, just as the Lord has spoken. The Lord will do to them, just as he had done to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will deliver them up before you. You shall do to them according to all the commandments which I have commanded you. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Then Moses called to Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. You shall give it to them as an inheritance. And the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. If you go to the right a little bit, go to the next book. It's the book of Joshua. Moses has died and God is going to charge Joshua to be strong. Joshua chapter one, verse five. Moses is dead and God says to Joshua, no man will be able, one five, to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, verse 7. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. 
This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will, be, you will make your way prosperous, then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you turn back to 2 Samuel chapter 4. We did a memorial service for Priscilla Del Campo um, just recently. And one of the things that her children said about her was that she was a woman of prayer and a woman of the word. So there were about four or five different scriptures that I was thinking about sharing at her memorial service. And as I heard the family talking about her sitting here in the front row, what came to me is Psalm chapter one. As a staff, we had just done a devotion in that chapter. And it talks about a man or a woman who will meditate on the, the law of the Lord. How often? Day and night will be like what? A tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season. And whatever it does, it will prosper. It, its leaves will not wither. It's what we all want. We want success, but I'm not sure success is how we define it in the Christian world. We often define success by numbers or buildings or, you know, things, bullet points on a sheet of paper, but God does not assess things that way. God defines success as a man or a woman who is after his own heart. A man or a woman who's learned that it's about God's glory and not their own. We can't imagine in much of the modern church that we could define success any other way. But if you teach a small Bible study, if you teach a Sunday school class, and you're being faithful to that, if you're leading your family well, if you're being faithful to teach your kids in the ways of Jesus Christ, if you're being faithful to what God's given you, that's success. In heaven's eyes, that's success. So that's What's going on here is the kingdom is being torn away from the son of Saul, Ishbosheth. Now, back in 2 Samuel 4, this is verse 2. Saul's son had two men who were commanders of raiding bands. The name of the one was 2 Samuel 4 2, Banana. I'm just kidding, it. it's not banana. Although it's going to show in a little while that he's a bit bananas, but. His name was Bana. The name of the other was Rechab. They were sons of Ramon the Barathite. This guy apparently had a drinking problem. You might want to just mark that. He's a, he's a beerathite. Yeah, I know. And of the sons of Benjamin, for Beroth is also considered part of Benjamin. Now, some of you may be looking at your Bibles. You see verse 3, it says, The Barathites fled to Gittaim, and have been aliens there until this day. And you might be thinking, well, in this story, why these kind of minor guys in the army, why are they brought up? Why, is, why are these two guys brought up? Because they are, end of verse 2, of the sons of what? Benjamin. And Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. And he was the son of Kish. And so here's what's going on in the story Abner's dead, Ishbosheth is in trouble. He's reeling, and the question's being asked, is there anybody who can come around this fledgling king? Is there anybody who can be his strength? Who's, who's going to be his cabinet now? Who's going who's to prop up this kingdom in the north now? And a story's told about these two guys. They're from the right tribe. They're, tri they're from the tribe of Benjamin. 
Ramon and his sons, though they lived in Berath, did not belong to the earlier inhabitants of the town, but to the tribe of Benjamin. The connection is the future of frightened Ishbosheth. It depended on the likes of these two men. This writer says, before we get back to them, there is one other that we need to look at. There was one other that could potentially ascend to the throne. He's mentioned in verse 4. Now Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the report of Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse took him up and fled. And it happened that in her hurry to flee, he fell, the boy fell, and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. Now, we're going to hear more about this young man, but here's what happened. When Saul and Jonathan were on the battlefield and the Philistines were getting the best of them and they were on the verge of dying and then they died, word came to the house of Saul that father and son were dead, that Saul's sons had fell on the battlefield. And the nurse who was taking care of this five-year-old boy named Mephibosheth went running away because the address of Saul was known to other people. And they probably thought there's going to be a coup now or the Philistines are going to raid the headquarters of Saul. So the nurse took Mephibosheth, this little boy, and began running and they were trying to get out of town and either she dropped him or he fell and he became crippled in both of his legs. And this story, which will come up later in 2 Samuel, is a beautiful story. Because by all rights, David should have wanted to eliminate the, eliminated this boy because this boy, seven years later, this story is kind of told from the, a past experience. Seven years later, he's now 12. He's on the verge of what the Jews call a bar mitzvah. At 13, you become the son of the law. You become accountable for yourself in, in Jewish thinking. He's 12 now. He's mentioned here because he could be a threat to David's throne, but is he truly a threat? No. In fact, Ishbosheth shouldn't have been propped up in the north to begin with. The nation wouldn't have gone through a civil war had they just allied themselves under the true anointed king named David. How many problems could be avoided if marriages, families, Nations would just align themselves under the kingship of Jesus Christ. Amen? We could avoid a lot of problems personally and corporately if Jesus is truly Lord. But the nation was divided. And in their heart of hearts, I think even the rulers of the 11 tribes in the north knew that David should be the king. Why did they go with the flow? Because that's what we do sometimes. We go with the flow. We know that things should be a certain way, but we give in. We compromise. We say, ah, it's too much work to battle this one. And that's not what we should be doing. Hey, folks, I'm excited to tell you about another way that you can connect with Walk in Truth. Download the Radio Scribe app and search for Walk in Truth. There you'll find a lot of cool resources. You'll be able to listen to messages, you can access devotionals, and you can partner with Walk in Truth and help us reach more people. Download the Radio Scribe app, search for Walk in Truth, and find a lot of cool resources there. I know it'll be a blessing to you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.